What's going on, family? Happy Monday and welcome to another edition of The Faction. I'm your man, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you are doing well. Exciting times in the world of pro wrestling. What a weekend. And there is a lot to discuss, as there always is here on the faction as i love to do thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to the faction be that on instagram facebook and twitter at the faction show or of course via our podcast which obviously you're listening to right now you can check us at a number of spaces spotify apple google or wherever you're listening to us thank you so much for your continued support it means the world would you do me a favor Would you leave us a comment and a rating wherever it is that you're listening to us? These things are of extreme importance and they let other people know what you think about us and the more ratings, good ratings preferably, and reviews that we get, this gets in front of more eyes. So do that. And I'm pretty sure you're not the only person in your circle who's a fan of pro wrestling. So would you share us with others? There are lots of wrestling podcasts out there, but I think we offer something pretty unique and pretty special. And I hope you guys think so too. So feel free to share what we're doing and obviously great, great times are ahead. So with that said, there's a lot to get into in talking about today. First, I want to tell you, we had an amazing anniversary show at Southern Honor Wrestling this weekend as we celebrated four years of SHW. Some really cool things that happened and I can't wait for you guys to see it. But one of the super cool things, we were joined by Buff Bagwell. NWO and WCW legend who continues to really make some wonderful strides. He was there to present the winner of the Diamond Dallas Page Diamond Cup Invitational. That was fun. Teddy Long was a part of this as well. And kind of an unexpected and unforeseen blessing is Buff spent most of his time with us on the commentary booth. So you'll be able to hear matches with him calling the action along with myself and Brandon Benefield. It was an amazing night featuring the War Chamber. Like, you guys have to see this when it debuts on IWTV. And when it does, I will certainly let you know. All right, then, let's talk about WWE as the world is talking about WWE. I want to start with SmackDown. SmackDown, obviously, taking place this past Friday. And SmackDown was the season premiere. And before I go there, I have to talk about a big piece of news. That dropped Thursday. Variety broke the story. It's been all over the place, but some major changes in the commentary booths for all of WWE. So SmackDown will now feature Michael Cole and Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett getting the call from NXT to join Michael Cole. Now it is believed that in January, once the college football season is over, Pat McAfee will return to SmackDown. Now we don't know if that will make SmackDown a three-person booth or if that will move Wade Barrett out of SmackDown and possibly somewhere else. We'll obviously have to wait until we see that. On Monday Night Raw, couple of really major changes we have Corey Graves still on Monday Night Raw and the new lead commentator on Monday Night Raw is Kevin Patrick Kevin Patrick had been working as a backstage announcer and outside of WWE he happens to be the voice of the Atlanta United soccer team which won a world championship not all that long ago so exciting news for Kevin Patrick 
but that does mean some other changes for the people who were previously there. Byron Saxon, who was once on commentary on Raw, will now move to being a backstage announcer on Monday Night Raw. As for Jimmy Smith, who was the lead commentator on Monday Night Raw, he is now gone from WWE. That takes us then to NXT, where Vic Joseph remains the lead commentator there, and he will now be joined by WWE Hall of Famer Booker T, who is taking the place of Wade Barrett, who of course is now on SmackDown. Also, Kathy Kelly returns to WWE as a backstage reporter for SmackDown. So yeah, some really fun, fun times for WWE. Major changes, as we mentioned in the commentary booth. And one other change, Nigel McGuinness, who had been working at one point in NXT, then NXT UK, and then NXT Level Up, has been released from WWE. Kind of sad to see that one. I was a big fan of Nigel McGuinness on commentary. So shout out to all of those commentary changes. And I will throw this out there just because, just because, I believe one of these days in the not too distant future, when you see another commentary announcement in WWE, it'll be yours truly. But be that as it may, I am really excited about these commentary changes. I'm interested to see what that would look like. One other big change is that for the premium live events, there will now just be a specific dedicated commentary team. That will be Michael Cole and Corey Graves. So a little bit of analysis on this. First of all, I think it's actually a good move that WWE has moved from a three-man booth back to a more traditional two-man booth. Having worked in commentary, I can tell you that it is really, really tough to get whatever it is in that you're trying to say when there are three people in the booth. And some days in AEW, there are four, and that just kind of blows me away. I don't really know how they do that. But with that said, I definitely think this is a real opportunity for all in the commentary booth to be able to shine. I will say this, for those who've ever attended a live pro wrestling event and you don't have commentary, you realize just how much you depend on the commentary team. And great commentary makes the product that much better. So I'm looking forward to seeing great chemistry with these new pairings and uh, excited for all of them. It's interesting because because if you've been paying attention to commentary in WWE, you'll note that there have been a lot of changes over the last few years. A lot. And there's likely to be more until they find whatever groove seems to work. And certainly we'll be keeping our eyes and ears posted on that. With that said, Friday night ended up being the first night in the booth for the team of Michael Cole and Wade Barrett, who I thought they did a fantastic job. I've been a fan of Wade Barrett's commentary since his work in the NWA, which eventually got him called to WWE. And he spent a couple of years in NXT really working hard, I think. And so I think this SmackDown move is a great move for Wade Barrett. I'm really, really excited for him. And there were some great things that happened on SmackDown as well. All that we are seeing in terms of the development of Sami Zayn. Listen, Sami Zayn is out here doing God's work. And I think we need to just acknowledge that. Yes, we are acknowledging our tribal chief and my one is in the air right now. But let's give some honor where honor is due to the honorary Oos Sami Zayn. 
who continues to add layers. This thing with him and Jay Uso has really got some legs, and I'm intrigued to see where it's all going to go. But some really exciting times there in the bloodline. Of course, the first in-ring meeting involving the head of the table, Roman Reigns, and his opponent at Crown Jewel, Logan Paul. Should be very interesting stuff for sure. The other super big piece of news coming out of this is we found out more on the White Rabbit, and it looked as though the White Rabbit would indeed reveal himself at Extreme Rules. So with that said, it's time to talk Extreme Rules here on the podcast. So by now, I am making an assumption that you may have seen Extreme Rules. If you haven't, there are going to be some spoilers, so you may want to press pause. If not, let's just roll with it. So here's a look at what happened at Extreme Rules. The Brawling Brutes defeated Imperium in a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. Ronda Rousey defeated Liv Morgan to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Karrion Cross defeats Drew McIntyre in a strap match. Bianca Belair retains the Raw Women's Championship against Bailey. Finn Balor defeats Edge in an I Quit match. And Matt Riddle defeats Seth Freakin' Rollins inside the fight pit. But for all of that, and it was all great, it was all great. I really enjoyed the pay-per-view. The Triple H era of pay-per-views is special. Let, before I get to what happened at the end, think about this. We had six matches once again at this pay-per-view. And I think this is a formula that Triple H proved works in NXT. The NXT takeovers weren't filled with like eight or 12 matches. You'd have five matches, right? But they would take time to tell such a great story that you'd love every bit of it. And such was the case here. Six matches on this pay-per-view. They all had meaning. There was no wasted moments. There weren't any just, you know, wasted tracks on this project. Every piece of the project actually mattered you loved every song on this record and so with that said extreme rules was a massive win but another big triple h move is to let things go off the air seemingly when the thing you actually came for shows up he did that so well with the initial breakup of diy tomaso champa and johnny gargano with the absolute melee that happened after things went off the air like he does this kind of thing regularly and it's why we love him and i think we forgot that he has the ability to hit us with a surprise at any moment pause because i want to go back to SmackDown. Triple H actually opened up SmackDown and it's the first time he has been on camera for WWE since taking over as the head of creative and all of the great positions that he now holds in WWE. It's the first time we've seen him and he used his opportunity wisely. There's a point that he's talking and then he flips the mic and he's continuing to talk and we've got a QR code. And I'll tell you, all this week, whether it was Raw, SmackDown, or even NXT, the the clues, the lead up to the White Rabbit has been something special. Now then, take us back, of course, to the end of Extreme Rules, which, you know, we all were wondering when the reveal of the White Rabbit would happen at Extreme Rules. And as we watched the whole pay-per-view, we almost thought it wasn't going to happen. But then when the lights went out, the people went crazy. And it was just, oh, masterfully done. 
Now we have to think, and I'll just say this, and this is, some would say I'm a prisoner of the moment, but I'm not. I've really had a chance to think about this over these last couple of days. There has not been a better rollout of a character or return in WWE in the modern era than the White Rabbit. Like, think about it. Think really, really hard about any sort of lead up or campaign that was done to bring in somebody new or somebody who hasn't been there in a while. There has not been a campaign nearly as strong nearly as creative, nearly as breathtaking as what we have seen with the White Rabbit. Bray Wyatt, it was just all, I don't even have enough words. I remember watching it, just losing my mind and watching it even before talking to you here on this podcast. I'm telling you, there was something so special about this. And so now the obvious question is, where do we go from here. Well, obviously only time will tell, but I'll tell you this. Good luck, AEW, trying to match the brilliance of the White Rabbit. We've not seen anything like it. And uh, yeah, I don't know what comes next, but maybe I do. Because I don't know if you guys noticed, but one of the things that is airing on WWE.com is a digital exclusive of Liv Morgan kind of sitting in a corner in a dark place. Will Liv Morgan become the first person to join the White Rabbit, Bray Wyatt? I don't know, but boy, this is going to be something. I think it's also interesting to see what can be learned from the Bray Wyatt presentations of old. What can be learned? What can be done better? I think we're about to find out. If we're honest, I don't know that Bray Wyatt needs a championship. He has kind of hit the type of status where you don't need a title to prove your worth. He is creative. Well, he's a former WWE champion, a former Universal champion, but we don't necessarily remember him for his title reigns. We remember him for all of the craziness and creativity that he has brought to pro wrestling. So with that said, long live the White Rabbit, long live Bray Wyatt, and I am so thrilled to see what could potentially happen from this in the days ahead. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How do we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people!
people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever going to happen here. For a few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a them and there's a you, there will always be a S-H-W. It's me, C-G-P. The king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three times, three times, three times world champion and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. You're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. And that's not a bad thing. That, my friend, is a good thing. So the real question is, how in the world can AEW counteract the White Rabbit, right? I don't know that they can. The best thing that they can do is really focus on doing what they do well. And do we know what that fully is? Well, I do. I think they do pro wrestling really well when they just decide to focus on that. This, I think, is going to prove to be the biggest challenge for AEW. AEW is in the middle of what I consider to be the perfect storm against them. It started, of course, with all of the talk of the unrest. And before I go there, what a difference a year makes, right? Last summer, AEW was riding so high, CM Punk had just debuted, then you get to All Out and you have the triple threat debut of Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, and Brian Danielson. It seemed as though AEW could do no wrong. We get to 2022, and 2022 is the year AEW was tested. It started at the top of the year, right around February or so, when it was announced that Cody Rose, the co-creator of this organization, would be leaving the company. And from there, while there were still some more faces that would show up in AEW, None of them seemed to make that kind of an impact. We saw Andrade, we saw Malachi Black, we saw Athena. We've seen a number of folks show up. Tony Storm, now Soraya. We've seen a number of folks show up, but we also saw the rumors of the unrest. We also saw clearly this train going off the tracks. And then we had the infamous media scrum following all out 2022, the suspension of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, the suspension of Ace Steel, the suspension of CM Punk. Now the rumors that CM Punk may not return to AEW. We've seen interim champions galore, the purchase of Ring of Honor. We've seen all of this. And now You've got ratings that are struggling. You've got a smaller house than we've seen before. Once again, things were live for AEW, Rampage, and Battle of the Belts from the entertainment complex there in D.C., which I told you the last time we were together, max capacity is 4,200 people. 
It's a far cry from the sold out almost 16,000 at Extreme Rules. So the question now is, what does AEW have to do to counteract the momentum of WWE? Because of all the things they planned for, they did not plan for WWE to really gain momentum. But it's happened. And so now I think this is the time that really tests the mettle of AEW. So, what did we think of a live rampage and a live battle of the belts? Well, let me start by saying this. Pac is a G, okay? Pac, the only AEW double champion in its history. Currently holding the AEW Trios title and the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Great title defenses for him, both on Rampage and on Battle of the Belts. I think the match he had with Trent Beretta was fantastic. I think it shows just how great Pac is and that, you know, obviously the old WWE regime really missed out on a lot by not utilizing the fullness of Pac. Shout out to Pac doing great things. We finally got to see FTR in a title defense. FTR has not really been on AEW television in quite some time, not in a championship capacity. In fact, I don't think they've been on AEW television since All Out, which was a month ago, where they were in a six-man tag match with Wardlow. Side note, I'm not too crazy about Wardlow and Samoa Joe being a team that already has a team name, Ward Joe, yet they are both singles champions. I, I don't quite understand that. But be that as it may, we saw a number of title matches, Battle of the Belts. We saw some great matches on Rampage, including a tag title match on Battle of the Belts. FTR defending the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships against the Gates of Agony, a great tag team match. We're again asking ourselves why we don't see more of FTR on our tag team screens, but I think I understand why. FTR as a tag team is head and shoulders above any other tag team that's active right now in AEW. And so even though there's extreme popularity for the current tag team champions, the acclaimed, you have to ask yourself, in the ring, could the acclaimed actually hang with FTR? And the answer is probably no. So they have to really keep FTR and the acclaimed as far apart as possible so that the acclaim can actually get the kind of respect that tag team champions should. So that's very, very interesting for sure. I think these next few weeks are pivotal for AEW. AEW, I still think they need some big news. They need something big to happen to kind of at least regain some momentum right now because they're on the ropes. And when I say on the ropes, I'm not talking about on the brink of extinction. I don't mean that. I do mean that they're right now having to absorb the body blows that WWE is throwing right now. And I think it's combination of WWE throwing blows and AEW's self-inflicted wounds. They're going to have to, number one, stay the course if they actually want to be deemed as a credible organization. Stay the course. But the other piece of it is let's not confuse the water right? Don't start adding food coloring to the water or something else to the water and keep calling it water. You need to draw a line in the sand between AEW and Ring of Honor. It needs to be two separate products that airs on two 
separate shows. It is getting more and more confusing to see what's important. And then, you know, you start talking about the ring of honor rules where it's a 20 count instead of a 10 count, you know, the code of honor, all of that type of thing. It will be easy to remember if we have a show that regularly operates under ring of honor rules. Okay. So, I think these next few weeks are very important as we are now in the fourth quarter of 2022, getting ready to go into 2023. I'm nervous for Ring of Honor if Ring of Honor doesn't have a TV deal by 2023. Not just that, but I'm also nervous for AEW because I think AEW ends up, again, missing opportunities when having to share that space with Ring of Honor. So with all of that said, interesting times for AEW. I do think they put on two solid hours of TV this past Friday, but we're still talking about the White Rabbit and all things Extreme Rules. Bianca Belair retaining the Women's Championship in a scintillating ladder match. We now have Ronda Rousey as your SmackDown Women's Champion, kind of ending this title, dare I say, experiment for Liv Morgan. And maybe that's cruel to say. I don't mean for it to be cruel, but I don't think that that title reign was handled very well. But we'll certainly see. Now, of course, tonight is the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. Will we see the White Rabbit, Bray Wyatt, show up? We don't know which brand he is committed to at this particular point. So that will be interesting. There is a championship match. The U.S. title is on the line with Bobby Lashley defending against Seth Rollins and so much more. Plus, Kevin Patrick takes over the lead commentary duties at Raw along with Corey Graves. So interesting times for sure. You want to check out Raw and what should be an amazing week in all of pro wrestling. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction.